Hey, thank you for joining us today. We'll get to the sermon in just a minute, but I wanna invite you in to be a part of something really special that we're doing right now at Renovation Church. Every year around this time, we gather around one word and we ask for God to build our faith and to strengthen us so that we can make a difference all around the world. And this year's word is beyond. Now, this isn't just another series we're gonna do. This is really the beginning of what we're believing God has for our church. See, we've been in this space now for about three years and we've outgrown it. We are out of room. And what we know is that we're not gonna allow this building to cap the calling that God has placed on our life, that God has placed on this church. We believe he wants to do immeasurably more above and beyond what we've already seen him do. And so on November 20th, we wanna invite you to participate above and beyond what you're already given to give in our Beyond Initiative. This initiative is gonna to go towards accomplishing the vision to make disciples, to reach more people, to help people find community and discover purpose and make a difference. This is gonna to go to the future home of Renovation Church. Now we don't know where that's gonna be, but we just know it's not gonna be here and we can't stay here. And so I wanna invite you to begin to just pray. Right now, I want you to pray about what God would have you give to help us go beyond. What it would look like for you to partner with us. Maybe it's a one-time gift. Maybe it's a monthly donation. Maybe it's an annual donation. But I want you to take the time to pray, not just what about God can do in you, but what God could do through you. Because you've been blessed, and you've been blessed to be a blessing. And so we want to invite you. Don't let that stop with you. Let's see what God can do through you. Because we believe that he's able to do immeasurably more above and beyond what we can even ask, think, or imagine. So I would love for you to join us in this initiative. If you'd like more information, you can go to our webpage, renovation.church beyond. You'll learn about our goal, that what we're trying to actually raise to make this happen, and how you can pledge and commit to be a part of it. So thank you for joining. I hope you enjoy the message. Um, today we're concluding a series that we've been doing called Beyond, and uh, really it's an initiative. Uh, over the last couple weeks, we've been talking about what it means for God to build our faith and to give generously and give sacrificially. And today is Commitment Sunday. Is anybody excited about Commitment Sunday? Come on, I love it. Um, and if you're new, you might be wondering what that is and why people would clap for it. Uh, we're one of those kind of crazy churches that clap on the idea that we get to give, that we get to give an offering. And so if you're new here, there is no pressure today, but today is a day where so many people are gonna come forward, so many people already have, and they've gave an offering above and beyond what they already give. And they've also made a two-year commitment to give towards this initiative uh, for us to reach more people, for us to get in a new space, for us to create more room for kids downstairs so that they can know Jesus and they can find community as well, to create more opportunities for connection to happen and more opportunities to serve our community. And so at the end of the sermon today, uh, you're gonna come forward and you'll, you'll give an offering, you'll make those commitments. Uh, but listen, if you are new, there's no pressure. And I say that because 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says something really interesting. He says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. And so listen, if you're new, you didn't come in probably prepared to give anything. So that's okay, this isn't for you today. There's no pressure. Don't give under compulsion. Don't give emotionally. Don't make a commitment you can't keep. Like God loves a cheerful giver. 
But for those who are prepared uh, today, it's gonna be a really powerful time. And, uh, and I'm so fired up about it because we understand, right, that we get to be a part of what God is doing, that generosity, that sacrificial giving is a blessing because we've been blessed. Can I get a good amen? Amen. amen. Well, today, here's what I wanna do. I'm just gonna give like a quick devotional thought. Um, for those of you who think I preach too long, today is your day, come on. Uh, and uh, we'll give an offering here at the end. But I wanna go to Joshua chapter four. Uh, this passage in particular, was the passage God brought me to before we started this church. It was what I needed in that season. And I believe for some of you today, you've been, making, you've been praying to God and you've been asking him for clarity. So look at me if that word just struck you because you've been praying and going, God, I need clarity to do it. Here's what this passage taught me as God commissioned Joshua to do what Moses didn't do and lead his people into the promised land. A lot of times what you don't need is clarity because we walk by faith and not by sight. And what you really need is the courage to do the thing God called you to do, but you are freaked out to try. So that's for somebody today. But let me go to Joshua chapter four. If you're ready for the word of God, shout, I'm ready. If you need a second, say, hold up. No hold ups, Joshua four, here we go. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. And in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them, touch your neighbor, say, tell them. Come on, touch your other neighbor, say, tell them. Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes of the Israelites, and as the Lord had told Joshua, they carried them over with them to put their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at that spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. He said, I want you to take up the stones. Would you grab the stone that's in your seat right now? If you're at home, go out in your yard and grab a stone. If you're driving, just look at a stone on the ground you're driving by. <laughs> Um, if you're watching this later, go grab a stone. You got time, pause it. But just look at your neighbor and say, I've got the stones. Come on, touch your other neighbor and say, I've got the stones. I want to uh, preach from this thought today, beyond our stones, beyond our stones. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you it's living and active. And God, we come to you today and many of us are gonna bring an offering, not because you need it, but because we do. We need that moment where we generously and sacrificially give the way that you sacrificially and gave to us. We don't do it because we have to. We do it because we get to. It's a privilege. So God, would you do something in our heart where we're able to give cheerfully, willingly. God, do the work only you can do today. And God, I just ask for those who are here who've never been a part of something like this, that they would see that today where 
not just here to praise you with our lips because our heart can be far from you. But you say that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So today, God, we, we give you our heart. We love you. And in Jesus' mighty name, everybody who believed is set. Come on, everybody set. Hey, say hi to somebody next to you. If you're watching online, share the stream. If you're here in person and you haven't shared the stream, I want to encourage you to share the stream. So um, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to sit down today. I think uh, the last service was the first time I've ever preached sitting down. And it was kind of a vibe. I'm not going to lie. So I liked it. Um, I won't stay sitting down for long. You know me better than that. But uh, today I'm just going to share something really quick. Okay. Um, and so today it's going to be less of probably me preaching and more of you preaching because at the end, uh, you may not preach with your mouth, but you're going to preach with your heart and with your hands as together we bring this offering. But it's an interesting time in the nation of Israel. In this passage in Joshua 4, right, there's, there's a lot going on. It's a season of transition. And God's faithfulness to them um, is so powerful because here they are. They've been, they've been following a man named Moses who 40 years before had led them out of captivity, led them out of Egypt. And now here they are, they've been wandering around in the wilderness. And they come from a place where, yes, they were in captivity, but they were taken care of. And so as Moses is leading his people, he goes to Pharaoh, he gets them to set them free. As he's leading his people around in the wilderness, they're walking around for 40 years. 40 years. I ain't even been alive that long. Come on, somebody. And they're walking around in the wilderness and... And they find themselves grumbling and complaining. Where are my complainers at? If you're a complainer and a grumbler, just lift your hand. Let's get honest. Moment of truth right now. If you know somebody who's a complainer, just look at them, touch them. Okay. Um, here they are. They're grumbling. They're mad, right? Because Moses had let them out. And they start to complain because over the years, they would be eating quail, which is like filet mignon of the sky. Come on, somebody. And, and, and now they are in the wilderness and and they're eating something God provided called manna. And the way that this worked, this was really the first Amazon Prime. Every morning they would wake up, there was, uh, there was some bread on their doorstep, and it was just enough to get them through. And if they tried to keep it and hide it and consume it for themselves, it would disappear. So they had to use what God had given them, and he was trying to get them to understand that even though they may not be able to see him, even though they may not know where they're going, he's got them because he's faithful even when they're not. How many of you know that? And so here he is, they're, they're, they're stressed out, they're worried, and all of a sudden, over time, Moses, their leader, the one who set them free, he dies, and they don't go into the promised land. They wander around in the desert, but before he dies, he calls and appoints a man named Joshua, who's a part of the tribe of Israel, and he tells Joshua, Joshua, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be strong and courageous. And where I want you to go, you may not know what it looks like yet. You may be afraid. There's going to be battles you got to fight, but I'm with you. I'm going before you. Stand on the word of God. Don't let it depart from your mouth and watch what I will do. And so he points this man named Joshua, and he's trying to get them to understand that in order for them to walk in all he had promised, they're going to have to have a different mindset. Because see, they had been set free from Egypt, but yet they were still walking around complaining. They would be like, we want to go back to Egypt. It's like, wait a second. Why in the world would you want to go back to Egypt? You're finally set free. Like you're, you're finally no longer under the hand of Pharaoh. You're, you're getting to live how you want. You're free. Why would you want to go back? Because so even though they got out of Egypt, Egypt did not get out of them. 
How many of you know you can be set free, you can be saved, you can be delivered from the hand of the enemy, but if you're walking around in the wilderness, you may be set free from the enemy, but there's still a little sin inside of you. There's still a desire that's like, I wanna go back to where I came from because where I'm at right now, I'm confused. Anybody been there? I don't know where I'm headed. And it just seems easier to go back to my old life because my old life was more comfortable. My old life was, was, I mean, yeah, I may have been in captivity, but at least I was taken care of. Like I wasn't eating this bread day in and day out. And so he's trying to get them to see, listen, you're gonna have to have a new mindset. You can't have the same mindset as Moses, Joshua. You're gonna have to be strong and be courageous. And here's one of the things that Joshua understood as the, as the nation of Israel really comes under new management. How many have ever been under new management before? As they, they, they trusted this one leader and now he's gone and now they got a new leader. He's a little bit crazy. You know, he's telling them, here's what we're gonna do. And, and Moses was just kind of wondering, but they're under new management. They need a new mindset. And here's what he's trying to get them to understand. The miracle that you're looking for, the miracle is God's to give but it's yours to manage. If you miss everything else, get this right here. It's God's to give and it's mine to manage. Say that out loud. Say it's God's to give. It's mine to manage. Watch. The future is God's to give, but it's mine to manage. That's why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, worry about itself. Each day's got enough trouble of its own. Why? Because the future is his to give, but today is mine to manage. How many of you know that to be true? Your kids were God's to give, and yours to manage. Your job, God's to give, yours to manage. Your house, God's to give, yours to manage. Your marriage, God's to give, yours to manage. Every relationship was God's to give, but now he requires you and I to manage. So a lot of times we want the miracle, we pray for the miracle, we just don't wanna learn how to manage the miracle. We don't wanna learn how to manage where we are now because it's easier to either go back to the past or live in dreams of the future. And what God is trying to get them, you gotta learn how to be faithful right now. Why? Because God's got the future, but you gotta manage now. It's like Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. I love that verse. Here's the one problem. God, I would like to know those plans. Anybody else is like, I'm glad that you know them, God, but can you let me in? Why? Because the middle is hard to manage. And if you're a believer, let me say this to you. You are in middle management. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care the job you work. I don't care the house you got, the car you drive, how beautiful your spouse is, how beautiful your kids are, how awesome your golden doodle is. That's hyper. Like, I don't care. about. If you are a believer, you are in middle management. And how many of you know management in the middle can either be really helpful or really hurtful? Anybody ever just couldn't stand middle management? Yeah. It's hard to trust when you're in the middle. But that's where we are. We're in the middle. For so many of us, yes, God has saved us from our past, but we haven't yet stepped into everything he has in the future. And so what God calls us to do is be faithful stewards of the middle, but that's the difficult part. It's hard. And I really believe that almost every problem we face in life Every problem in your relationship, every problem in your finances really comes down to us missing that point. Because instead of recognizing that 
It's God's to give and mine to manage. We think that it's ours to own and God's to manage what we want with it. Like if you could just get the fact that the world does not revolve around you, I promise you, you will have more peace, more joy, less arguments, come on, more friends. Like if you could understand that everything you have, you do not own, but rather you're called to manage faithfully. Isn't this how it works? It was God's to give and it's mine to faithfully manage so that God can get the glory and I get to be a part of the story. But see, we get it backwards. We think, no, it's mine to own, God's to manage, so that I can get the glory and God's an accessory to the story. We, we flip it. I just shared the gospel right there and you missed it. It's God's to give. It's yours to manage or faith is yours to manage so God can get the glory and you get to be a part of the story that he's writing around the world. So if we can just get that, and this is exactly where they're at. Like they're under new management. They, they have to have a new mindset. And he's going, if you'll just trust me, I'm going before you if you'll learn how to manage the middle. So here's what I want you to do, Joshua. I want you to tell your people that when you cross over the Jordan, that I'm gonna split, by the way, I want you to tell them, pick 12 men, and tell them to pick up 12 stones. And he says, I want these stones to serve as a sign among you that in the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean you tell them that God cut off the flow of the Jordan. That you, that you tell them what God has done. You tell them where you've been through, what you had to walk through. Because see, God did not carry them over the Jordan. They had to walk through it. God made the way, but they had to make the walk. And oftentimes we don't cross over because we're waiting for God to pick us up. You know, a little angel come and lift us up and tell us where we need to go instead of going, I'm gonna trust you in the middle and cross over. So he says, I want you to build this altar. I want you to take these 12 stones and I want you to do it as a sign for the people of Israel. He says, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off. Verse 22 says this, tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Come on, touch your neighbor, say, tell them. Tell them. You to tell them where you've been and tell them what God did. He said, I want you to tell the next generation. I want you to tell your children and their children, and your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren, and every generation after that, I want you to tell them what I've done. I want you to tell them about the time that you were nervous and, and you, you thought you would always be a slave in Egypt, but then a man named Moses set you free. And you thought you were just gonna go straight into the promise, but then you ended up in the wilderness. And then you started doubting and then you started questioning and you didn't understand why God would set you free out here where you were eating good to throwing you in the desert where now you're eating bread. I want you to tell them what I did then. And I want you to tell them about this crazy man named Joshua who had courage and faith to walk you through the Jordan. And I want you to tell them that when it happened, the waters dried up and it split and God made a way where there was no way. Don't just tell them where you've been. Tell them what God did. 
Because if you just tell them where you've been through, you'll start glorifying your own, your own story instead of glorifying God. So it's like, hey, I know where I've been, but the important part is, is what isn't where I've been. The important part is what God did in the middle. If I had time to preach this, I would tell you about a man who stood in the middle on you, you and I and on our behalf and went to the cross and died and did the, did the thing that we couldn't do, paid the penalty we couldn't pay and didn't ask 12 stones to go and to tell the story, but 12 disciples to go and tell the story. Why? So generations would know what he did. All right, I'm preaching. Let me sit down. But you got to tell the story. And, and so here's my question. Where'd you come from? Not like you moved from crazy California to Tennessee, you know, home of Tennessee football who lost yesterday, by the way, and, and country music and Tennessee whiskey. Like, not that. But like, no, where'd you really come from? What's God brought you through? You know, when you were, when you were addicted, when you were running from God, when you found yourself at the lowest moment in your life, when you were chasing everything under the sun just to get a high, just to get fulfillment, when you were looking for purpose, where, where you been? And what has God done for you? See, I think, I think we forget to do what God tells Joshua to do, and that's to tell them the story of what God has done. So I've just been reflecting on that, you know? Like, what's God done? Not just in my own life, but in our church. Like, what are our 12 stones? And I ain't got time to go through all 12 of them, but I just started thinking back, you know, I remember, um, I remember when Jessica and I felt, first felt the prompting to start a church as we saw hundreds of people drive to church downtown because something was missing. I remember her backstage crying, watching me baptize people on cross point stage, saying one day you're gonna baptize people in the church we start. I remember that moment where I wasn't sure if this is what I was called to do, but I got connected with a guy named Danny who sent me through this assessment and really confirmed what I already knew was true. After praying for months of clarity God used this passage to say, you already know what you're called to do. Just have the courage to do it. That's for somebody today. I remember um, announcing it online. You saw the video if you were here week one of me and Jess and our little four-month-old son Tatum, bald as can be. <laughs> uh, I remember our first interest party at Swainy Swift's in the Beer Lounge. Some of you are like, I knew I liked this church. That's right. <laughs> And then we had another one on Patty's Day. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, I, remember, um, I remember we were looking for a building and I remember this crazy team of about 25 people who never heard me preach and had no idea what this would look like, who committed to something without even seeing it yet. Because so many people think that church is a building, but it was before we had the building. And, and so then we were just trying to find somewhere to meet, somewhere to praise God, somewhere to have worship, somewhere to, somewhere to sing, somewhere for people to know that I'm not that crazy. Come on, somebody. Um, and I remember meeting a man named Pastor Steve and his wife, Shirley, who said, this has never been about us. 33 years, 33 years of ministry from this platform. I know a lot of people who start well, 
But I really love the people who know how to finish well. Who say, it's not about me. It's not just about our generation. It's about the next one. So here's the building. You have it, debt-free. You take it and go reach the next generation and I'm gonna help you. I remember four and a half months in, having to shut down because of COVID. By the way, they didn't teach me that in church planning assessment. (laughs) Thanks, Danny. Appreciate you. Um, No one knew. I mean, people were just barely even getting involved yet because everybody was new. No, no one was really given yet. I mean, th- there was people, but it was like, you really didn't know. You know, you saw a crowd, but that didn't mean they were the church. There's a difference between the crowd and the church as Jesus. And so I, I remember sh- getting where we had to go online and we had our first Easter. I wrestled with this. I wept over this, in fact, probably pride, but you know, I remember having our first Easter, not in person, but online. We didn't even own a piece of video equipment yet. We had to have some guy who was a photographer let us use his three cameras and we just hoped to make it work. Um, I remember a month later, as I'm working out in the gym, I get a phone call from a church in Charlotte where then I jump on a Zoom call and all of a sudden, Pastor Stephen jumps on and decides they're gonna give us $20,000 to let us know that they're behind us. One of the biggest churches in the world given a church plant in Gallatin, Tennessee, money. And then some guy saw it, decided he was gonna match it, sent us another 20K. And then two weeks later, I'm on a dream team call and I'm hanging out, get a phone call from someone within our network saying that they wanted to give us another 20K. I don't know what it was with 20K in that season, but God just wanted to give it. I'm not making this up. I remember those were stones for us. We didn't know we needed them but God provided them in the middle so that we can get where we are today. I remember having these dream team calls. Dream teams are our volunteer team, people who faithfully serve and faithfully give. Can we just give it up for them one more time? Come on, thank you, dream team. I remember being on this dream team call and I was doing a quick devotional. And I remember um, there was a girl who was like eight or nine who was listening as her parents were on the computer. And after the dream, after the call, no, during the call, she pulls her mom and dad aside and said that she was ready to give her life to Jesus. And we celebrated together over a Zoom call, but we couldn't gather in person yet. Couldn't have more than 10 people in a room. Now, I know some of y'all think that that's bogus, but that's not what we're talking about today. But I remember her wanting to get baptized and us setting up a trough outside on the patio and her family pulling in their cars and getting to watch that dad, Brad Jones, baptize his daughter in the middle of COVID, not after a service, on a Zoom call. It reminded me of our first baptisms we had at the church when we were meeting down in the kids area now. And God told me to go buy a horse trough from TSC and stick that joker outside because somebody was gonna get dunked today. And three people got baptized that day. I remember our first Remember my first sermon preaching with Jessica on this stage during COVID about how to fight fair because we all need that in our marriage and relationship. Uh, I remember so much. I remember our first year anniversary, the fact that we were still a church and was still moving and that we came back stronger than when we went into COVID. I remember watching people who found our church online because of the provision of God. If you found our church online, would you just lift your hand right now? That was because somebody else generously gave. 
it was beyond their own stone. So I just remember these powerful moments. And then I started thinking, you know, this will be another day we remember. It'll be another stone for so many of us where we give. And years down the road, when your kids and my little two crazy kids ask, why, why are we in Gallatin? Mom, dad, how did we get here? How did our church become this? You can tell them about the faithful hand of God that wasn't just on our church, but that was on his people. Man, I think about them. I'm gonna try not to make eye contact with some of you, but I'm not gonna use your name. I don't wanna embarrass you. I think about some of you who, who came in really hurt, um, hesitant to even get involved in a church again because of the experiences you felt. I think about some of you that are um, here right now after a tragic, after a really, really, really tragic event that happened in your life that no one really knew was coming, no one understood. I think about some of you who walked in addicted to a hard drug to crack. And then I remember watching people celebrate you when you were sober after months. Remember watching you get baptized. Um, I remember watching um, this couple on the front row baptize each other. I remember sitting with people in my office who had filed divorce papers. I remember meeting this one family who went to a Catholic church their entire life, but because their daughter on, on her own started coming to church and got baptized, they showed up. I remember this conversation. She was like, hey, it's like a rock concert in here. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> but now I get to watch them sit in here and worship God every week. Those are the stones. You wanna, if you're new, you wanna know why we're doing this? It isn't for a building. It's so that the next generation knows the story of God's faithfulness, not just in our church, but in your life. And so who do you need to tell the story? Because let me tell you what happens if you don't tell. Let me tell you what happens. Judges 2.10 happens. And what happens in Judges 2.10 is somewhere between Joshua 4 and this moment, here's what Judges 2.10 says. It says, after that generation died, Another generation grew up who did not know the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. So Joshua's generation set up the stone. The next generation didn't even know what they meant anymore. Why? Because somewhere between Joshua 4 and Judges 2, they stopped telling the story of what God had done. And it just got me thinking. I got a theory on maybe why they stopped. Maybe why you've stopped. Maybe because you got saved a long time ago, but you're not walking in the promise of God. You're still wandering around in the wilderness with an old mindset, still living, not in Egypt, but Egypt's still living in you. And you've quit telling the story. You've quit sharing your testimony. You've quit telling the faithfulness of God to other people. And we gotta be careful because if we stop telling the story, an entire generation will grow up and not know who God is. Not know that there was a man who stood in the middle who hung in the middle and made a way for broken, jacked up, sinful people like you and I to walk through on dry ground and have a relationship with his heavenly father. The next generation will miss that story if we don't tell it.
You know why I think they stopped telling it? Because between Joshua 4 and Judges 2, they had to fight a lot of battles. Let me tell you why I think some of us don't tell the story of what God's done. We've had to fight a lot of battles. And sometimes when you start to focus on the battles, it robs you of the blessing. We become so fixated on the struggle that we have to endure every day that we forget about the salvation that God has done. Forget about how far God's taken us. And so I got to shut up and, and get off stage, but has this been helpful? When I read Judges 2.10, it breaks my heart because I have a heart not just for you, but I have a heart for your children and I have a heart for your grandchildren. And I just pray that Judges 2.10 would never be spoken on the earth again because there's a generation of people right here that said, this is gonna go beyond my stones and I'm gonna reach the next gen. Amen. Come on, if that's you, clap your hands. Will you stand to your feet? Um, Grab your stone. Grab your stone. Uh, Don't allow today's struggles to consume you from God's blessing, what he's done for you, or we'll miss it. It's why next year when we talk about, well, how do we care for the next generation? If you're new here, we're three years old. We have a lot of young families, as you can see. but here's what we're committing to in the next year. You wanna know what you're giving to. It's not just a new space for us to gather comfortably on Sunday morning. It's for the youth ministry that we're gonna be starting in 2023. It's for the parents day out we're gonna be starting to provide for those of you who need a little break from your kids and need somebody else to help you disciple them. That's what you're giving to. You're giving to an opportunity for the next generation to know God. So here's my final question. Do you have the stones to do it? Do you have the stones? Here's what we're gonna do. Um, We're gonna, gonna, worship team, y'all come out. We're gonna end here. We're gonna sing, but I I want you to, um, under your seat, there's a communion cup. And before we give an offering, we first wanna remember the sacrifice and the generous gift that God gave us in his son, Jesus. And um, if you've never received Christ, and you're unsure about what we're gonna do. Communion is really just this picture of the sacrifice Jesus made for you. That sacrifice being he went to the cross and died in your place and for your sin, because sin brings death and something has to die in order to cover your sin. And so Jesus, being the perfect spotless lamb of God, willingly went to the cross, died instead of you. Your money couldn't buy it. Your love couldn't buy it. Your serving couldn't buy it. Your church attendance couldn't buy it. There was no way that you could get back to God because of your sin, but thank God for Jesus who stood in the middle and made a way for people like you and I. And so that's why we're gonna take communion together. I wanna encourage you, if you're with somebody, uh, pray over them, take communion together. If you're you're here alone, I want you to just pray and seek God right now. If you're married, husbands, pray over your wives. Dads, pray over your children's. Friends, pray over friends. But I want you to take this communion as as an outward sign, a sign of the, the blood that was shed for you and the body that was broken and that you've accepted that gift in Jesus. And then we're gonna bring an offering and you're gonna come forward and they're gonna bring this thing up here and you're gonna take that orange commitment card and you're gonna make an 
You're going to make your initial gift, your, your initial offering, along with a two-year commitment. Some of you, you've already decided in your heart what to give. I'm not trying to get you to change it. It's not about equal gifts. It's about equal sacrifice. Be faithful with the thing that God gave you. Manage it well. Amen? Amen. Um, and here's the last thing. So we're going to take communion. This is a lot, so follow me. Um, you're you're going to take the offering and bring it up here and drop it in. And some of you won't do it. That's okay. It's all right. No, there really is no pressure. It's, I promise you, don't feel awkward. Um, and then you're going to take that stone that you have, and you're just going to write your name or your family's name, your spouse's name, you and your spouse's name, whatever, on it. And today's going to just be a, a day we remember so that we can make sure it goes beyond our stones. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for what you're doing. God, we celebrate now the sacrifice that you made, the gift that you gave, your one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I pray for those who've never accepted the gift of Jesus. They thought they could buy their way or make their way. God, would you let them know right now that there is only one way, and that is through your son, Jesus, who is perfect in every way, willingly gave his life so that we could live so that we could be forgiven for our sin. God, we remember you in this moment. We bring you our offering, not that you need it, but we know we do to make sure things don't have our heart, but you do. And God, we, we commit to go beyond our stones. We love you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, thanks for joining today. I hope you enjoyed the sermon. I hope that it challenged you and it encouraged you, that it built your faith and not just to see what God could do in you, but what God can do through you and beyond you. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you to those who give faithfully to this ministry from all over the world. And if you'd like to join us in this Beyond Initiative for the future home of Renovation Church so we can reach more people, again, go to the website, renovation.church beyond. We hope you have an incredible week and we'll see you next time.